Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans or fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. All right, Brewer fans, welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast uh, with Craig and Vince here with you today. Vince, how's it, how are you doing? Uh, doing great, Craig. How are things with you? We've got uh, Scotty or Chad on as well. Nope. Well, we do have some uh, breaking slash shocking news um, coming in the face of the signing a couple weeks ago of uh, Reese Hoskins, which kind of we thought as Brewer fans, all of our listeners, and of course us, uh, thought that it signaled, <laughs> signaled to the the base that the Brewers are going to be going, making a push for the division title once again this year and not selling off their big uh, free agents to be. But, alas, that was incorrect because the Brewers have traded um, the best starting pitcher in franchise's history in 2001 and all signing award winner Carbon Burns to the Baltimore Orioles in exchange for left-handed pitcher D.L. Hall um shortstop slash second base uh man joey ortiz both 25 years old and a comp pick in the 2024 draft which would be the 34th overall pick from the orioles um first of all what was your reaction when you heard it and uh thoughts on the return well i should have known it was coming you know we we had been talking about corbin burns being a potential trade candidate for the last two years, probably ever since, um, you know, Burns won a Cy Young award and, and certainly ever since last spring when the Brewers and Burns got into a very public, uh, public dispute following his arbitration hearing. Um, there was clearly some bad blood between Burns and the front office. That being said, to your point, Craig, I, I was a bit shocked because the Hoskins signing had just taken place. I mean, we hadn't even had a week of excitement yet building up to the 2024 season and, uh, you know, after after signing Reese Hoskins and bolstering our offense until we traded our ace. It's like, you know, we're taking away from the strength of the team and finally fixing our offense, but now our starting pitching is in shambles for 2024. On, on one hand, um, on one hand, I'm not surprised again because we've been talking about it for so long, but on another hand, it's, it kind of came out of the blue, but, you know, it's this front office is, has proven <laughs> time and time again so many times us as Brewer fans that they're going to kind of do the unexpected thing that um, that I guess that nothing really surprises me at that at this point, but it did come as a bit of a shock, if that makes sense, last night. Yeah. Um, I, I I found out about it via your text, actually. Uh, thank you for that, Vince. Um, I, I didn't mean to, to be the bearer of bad news, Craig. I, I apologize. Yeah, I got, I got the note from uh, Scotty's interns and had to pass it along right away to our our group thread. Yeah. So um, it was a little bit shocking. Um, again, we all knew that there was a possibility coming in this off season, but I'll start by saying uh, what on earth has been the Brewers plan this off season, because it has never from day one, it's never been clear whatsoever. Let's see. We started off the off season by somehow losing our franchise icon, um, manager Craig Council to our division rival uh the Chicago Cubs and uh and from there we just made did other head scratching moves like basically gave away 
Adrian Hauser and um, Tyrone Taylor to our old GM and the New York Mets. Um, then we made a series of other strange moves, like just collecting strange pieces of uh, for bullpen pieces, like the Arizona from the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers, like guys that they just don't even want. Um, and Clark and um, the guy we got from the Dodgers. Then, um, you know, there's basically crickets for quite a while. Um, and again, you're thinking, well, we're laying in the weeds waiting for the bargain bin to open up. And because of this is a strange and very slow freedom market offseason, you're like, well, is this even going to happen before the start of spring training? Because it's not looking that way. Um, a lot of other teams around the league were kind of gun shy to like really open up the the wallet, so to speak, this year, probably because of a lot of uh, the um, things going on with the television contracts right now. Uh, and the uncertainty of rolling around that. But that's more of just an excuse. The bottom line is, eventually the Brewers did shockingly make that move uh, just over a week ago and signed Reese Hoskins um, to a two-year deal with a one-year opt-out, which basically signaled to us Brewer fans that, hey, they, they know he's going to opt out if he's healthy and productive, and they're expecting them to be a middle-order hitter for this year, so we must be going all in once again. So that's great. Uh, Burns is staying put at least the all-star break. Same thing with for Adamas. And that's what, what, you know, you're all fired up, excited for the season. And then, alas, uh, this happened yesterday. Uh, and from my understanding, it was actually the, the the groundwork for the trade and all the pieces involved were already hashed out all the way back in December. And that since that time, Arnold has been gauging the market, just, I don't know, looking for a better deal, possibly, um, all this time. And I guess as we're approaching spring training, he circled back and took him up on the offer. So um, I don't know. So overall, I mean, outside of the shock of Burns actually being gone and the 2024 season pretty much being torpedoed for the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, what overall, what, what were your thoughts on the return? Uh, you know, I, I don't, the return but i don't think it was nearly enough for a guy of corbin burns's uh caliber i've seen a lot of you know monday morning quarterback this morning on social media uh, our intern has kind of highlighted some some tweets this morning from some brewer fans who are kind of disparaging corbin burns and his pitching style and saying he's on a downward you know trajectory and i i just would caution that fans who are kind of thinking that corbin burns is no longer a top class pitcher in the national league should really look through brewers history and, and kind of see what where he would rank amongst all-time brewers great pitchers and certainly ones that we've developed so um i think that's i i was i was not upset necessarily by the guys that we got back except very underwhelmed by the amount of guys that we got back just the lack of quality um i i felt like we should have gotten a lot more and you know i know that I know that there's some upside for both of these guys. I know that DL Hall could could be a decent left-handed starter or reliever, I guess, for us. Joey Ortiz, um, I'm a little worried. We already have a guy who's very similar to that in Bryce Terang. I don't think that we can have two light-hitting infielders up the middle. Um, so I don't know if I don't know if Joey Ortiz is going to end up playing third base and just kind of unseats Tyler Black. I don't know if this is going to be uh, an answer at shortstop uh, if and we are trading Willie Adamas. I mean, there's a lot that remains to be determined about the Brewers and their offseason plan, if there is indeed a plan at all. Um, you know, part of me thinks that this this kind of fits into a pattern. You outlined a few things, and outside of Hoskins, it seems like every move that the Brewers have made has, has been all about cost savings. Um, certainly, that's the only 
part of the Taylor Hauser trade that makes any sense whatsoever um, to trade both of those guys. I know that we've got a lot of outfielders, but that being said, um, you know, trading, trading Hauser at this point looks really bad. If you were already talking, you know, to Baltimore about Corbin Burns, trading Adrian Hauser back in December then makes no sense because our rotation depth is severely lacking. And Adrian Hauser at this point would probably be our third starter. Um, given given the guys that we currently have in our rotation. So to trade that for virtually nothing outside of cost savings, it's kind of unbelievable. I guess the cost savings you could say were used to sign Hopkins. Um, but, you know, I don't know that that's really fixing a problem as much as moving problems around because now you do have a better offense, but your pitching staff is, is incredibly weak. I, I think at the end of the day, my opinion has kind of remained consistently the same for two, three years. I, I think that we need ownership that spends more money. I mean, it's, it's that easy to me. I, I think if you do, you don't trade Burns necessarily this year, even though he was going to be a free agent. He did certainly want to test the waters uh, in free agency after this season. First of all, if you had an owner that was willing to open up his pocketbook a little bit more, maybe Corbin resigns here. Maybe Corbin doesn't get mad at the organization during the arbitration process in the first place and is more open to signing an extension. Um, second, you you certainly don't have to trade him, uh, which apparently the Brewers did going into this season. I mean, our, our team payroll is now about $105 million, which is, you know, 20 $5 million less than what it was last season. I mean, we're, we're trending downwards and, you know, to me, this window is unfortunately, uh, the previous window is closed uh, now with Burns going and Woodruff being gone. Um, we still have a window with the younger guys, but really there's just a lot more variables uh, in place, but it's, it's a new group now, I, I guess is how I'm looking at it. Outside of Christian Yelich, um, there's not much consistency. And, and last point before I'll turn it back over to you, Craig, um, our interns did bring up, the fact on social media last night that now with the trades of Adrian Hauser and Corbin Burns this offseason, um, Wade Miley, who, who even left for three seasons, uh, Freddie Peralta and Christian Yelich are the only three guys that still remain from our 2018 playoff team. Wow. Yeah, no, this, this feels like a closing of a chapter. And obviously – uh, getting bounced from last year's playoffs felt like that already to me. So it's not quite as, but this is really the finality of that. I mean, this is really the end of an area where the Brewers uh, for the last seven or so years have had uh, arguably one of the, if not the best, one of the top three starting rotations, in all of baseball. Um, and that's something that was very foreign to this franchise over its 50 plus year history, because as we all know, as Brewer fans since basically birth, that um, there's many decades where the Brewers did not have anything even resembling one ace, let alone three or four of them. Um, so that's really sad to me. Um, however, I, I guess the main comment I want to make is I just don't understand why this needed to be done now, because I feel that if they would have held on to Burns until the um, trade deadline, they would have, and then decided, okay, even if they're, you know, they're fringe contenders or not leading the division, then they said, okay, we're going to trade them. I feel like they could have got a better package from a contender at that point of the year than they just got right now. Um, so that to me is just perplexing. And it yeah. leads me to believe the fact that not only do they want to do this, they want to do it for one of two reasons or a combination of a, they were scared that the same thing that would happen to could happen to Burns, that happened to Woodruff, and that means he gets injured during the year, and then we get no compensation for him, which would be horrific for this small market franchise. Or 
more likely, in my opinion, that they literally wanted to save the fifteen million dollars that he was getting this year in his last year of arbitration, and yeah. he, and and it, and not, in my opinion, to reallocate that money to other areas of the team of the twenty twenty four team, and that pisses me and any that should piss any Brewer fan off, and it certainly does me. Well, yeah, me too. They did give it to Reese Hoskins, though, probably already in their mind. So it's $17 million for Hoskins this year. Um, I bet you that they trade Hoskins probably at the deadline, you know, for not in contention. So that's about 15, a little less than $15 million. And so that's a that's a little bit of a profit, actually, just on the Burns-Hoskins uh, deal if you trade Hoskins at the deadline. So, yeah, that's that's about right. Um, so basically, they're not willing to add to payroll. They're, they're willing to subtract overall from payroll, um, you know, to save money because that's that's what they've proven themselves, uh, you know, wanting to do. It's, it's every move this offseason. Again, Hoskins, Hoskins is an aberration, and Hoskins uh, making his $17 million this year doesn't make up for the fact that, you know, we're still spending less overall on payroll. Um, so, I mean, yeah, this is just cost savings, and, and even the deal that we gave Hoskins is still a very team-friendly deal in many ways with opt-out clauses on both sides and the, the Brewers, uh, I think, very strong likelihood of trading him uh, if we're not in contention come July. Yeah, so it's it doesn't feel as devastating as the hater trade initially, just because we're not currently in first place, even though it's currently the off season. But we're at the point of the off season where you know wishful thinkers are going to be like, well, we'll we'll just take that, you know, and now now we can uh, do some more stuff uh, and <laughs> yeah. retool retool the roster real quick, add to it, whatever, maybe make some more trades, whatever, and then retool for twenty twenty four. No. It's just too late for that. This is the end of a chapter, the end of area, and you're just going, you know, ten days before pitchers and catchers report. This is what you're giving to the fan base. Like, okay, that's that's whatever. And who who is even out there that the Brewers would want to acquire at this point? I mean, uh, and again, this has been the same refrain over and over and over again for the last three, four, five off seasons that the Brewers are going to go 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 out and get somebody. And you know, I think one. One year, our big off our big off season acquisition was Jackie Bradley Jr. I mean, we just it's been like this for years now at this point, and you know it's the same memo from the front office. It's like we can never pass or exceed a certain amount of payroll, and it's frustrating. I, I don't blame just the market. I think that I think that it really comes down to Mark Adonacio not being willing to spend more money on this team. Like he's allocated a certain amount, that's that. And uh, I don't think I, I think that what's very difficult is that. When you fix one problem, in this case, our offense was woeful, particularly at the corners, and you fix that by signing Reese Hoskins, then in order to do that, because the owner is cheap, then you have to go cause another problem. Because now our starting location is a big, big problem. Like, yes, we've got a ton of young talent coming up uh, in the system, including, including you know, guys that we just got back in this trade, which is super exciting. I mean, we all love watching young players. This show was founded on, you know, kind of following that first group of post 2000 draftees for the Brewers and that's exciting, but that doesn't help you in 2024 necessarily is guys like Jacob Mizorowski work their way through the system and guys like, you know, Aaron Ashby come back from injury, all exciting potential arms in a future Brewers rotation. Unfortunately, I don't know that that rotation is going to be in 2024. Well, yeah. And like you said that there's a lot of promise and talent in our organization when it comes to arms, not, not very many of them are major league ready. And, and even for the ones that are um, there, you know, for your first couple of years in the league, you know, Robert Gasser and DL Hall, one of our attorneys in this trade are going to go through major growing pains for a couple of the first couple of years of their 
their career. It's very, very rare for a pitcher to be so good that they enter the major leagues and immediately find success in their first or second year in the league. Usually pitchers, yeah. you know, take till they're closer to 30 to really level out and become the ace pitcher, or I mean, become the best pitcher that they can be. And so, um, so again, contending teams usually don't like to go, go through all those growing pains because that, that adds up into losses and key losses over the course of the season. And it's almost a necessity in order to get your pitcher to the level they need to be so that they're giving you their full value, so to speak. And, and as good as these guys could be, you know, there's always injuries. There's always, there's always busts. And none of these things are sure things. And we were sitting here with a rotation of, of sure thing aces at the top of their game. And I just felt like we didn't push all our chips to the beginning, the middle of the table at any point and go for it. And I think that's a detriment to fans. Um, It goes back to the Antonacio philosophy along with Arnold to try to keep the Brewers competitive every year as possible and not go through a full rebuild. And I think that's a mistake, but uh, I guess that's what. Yeah, I, I I agree with you, Greg. I totally agree with you. And, and we have, uh, well, let's see a couple, a couple points to what you just said. First of all, it's, it, not only did we quote unquote not go for it, we actually subtracted, you know, and that again gets back to the Josh Hader trade where you're literally taking away from a first place team at the deadline. And that, that is the one that was unbelievable to me. I, I understand, even if I don't agree with, I can kind of understand why the Brewers trade Corbin Burns, even though again, I would have hoped for a better return, a bigger return. I would have done it. I may have done it at a different point in the off season. I may have waited till the deadline. You know, there's a lot of variables with that. At least at least with that, we weren't sitting in first place when the trade happened. So that to me is, is like, it's the opposite of just go for it mentality when it comes to the the Josh Hader trade, that's the give up no matter what, uh, because, you know, we'll still get our small little bite at the apple quote unquote that year. Um, But, you know, we're never going to actually go all in or put all of our chips into the middle of the table. And, and to your other point too, about uh, prospects and pitching prospects and arms, I remember you and I being incredibly excited in the summer of 2022 when Ethan Small got called up and he was going to make his debut. I believe it was in Chicago at Wrigley yeah. Field against the Cubs. And uh, I remember stopping what I was doing to go watch him pitch that day. And um, since that point, it's now you know February of 2024. It's not like it was that long ago. It was like a year and a half ago. Since that point, not only has Ethan Small <laughs> no longer pitched – only a handful of games in the big league. He got lit up in the minor leagues. He got moved to the bullpen. He got one more chance in the bullpen in Milwaukee and got lit up literally in like one game. And then just last night, the other news for this podcast is he got designated for assignment. So his fate is yet to be determined, but um, you know, the Brewers had quote unquote, one of the best pitching prospects in all baseball two years ago, number one in our system. And he's no longer, uh, not only is he no longer being relied upon, but he's likely to be out of the organization in four days. Um, so that's, that's just and how no, and that's baseball work. and that's baseball prospects for you. And that just goes to show that the majority of baseball prospects on any top 10, top hundred, top, whatever list, uh, 80 to 90% of them never even sniffed the major leagues. I mean, so you're talking about a lot of talented guys coming out of college, high school, spending many years in, with success in the minor leagues, and they get to the big leagues, and it's just a step, it's just a huge step up. They just can't make it. And plenty of guys just have very short, if no careers. And 
never even make it to the big. So that that step is huge, a huge accomplishment for the guys that make it and, and even bigger for the ones that succeed. And again, these guys cannot be counted on. They can show all they want at just different levels in the major leagues. There's so many minor leagues. There's so many variables in the minor leagues with different leagues, different stadiums. And in the past couple of years, Major League Baseball has been experimenting with balls, with bases, and all this stuff. It's been throwing off some of the development. You've got the pandemic messing with guys' development uh, in the last couple of years. And so there's all these variables that there's just – you don't want to go with such uncertainty when you, when you don't have to. I get as a small market team, you want to make those moves. But um, this just – the time of this just and the return just seemed off to me, and it's disappointing. But with that being said, uh, for the rest of our podcast, we'll delve into – the return here uh, for you quick and then kind of answer where do the brewers go from here before we wrap it up for for your listeners. So thanks for tuning in. Um, I guess if you don't mind, Vince, I'll start with uh, uh, going more detailed with our return. Let's start actually with the competitive balance pick. Uh, It's the number 34 overall pick in the 2024 draft. Uh, Again, most draft picks can't be traded besides the competitive A and competitive B round um, picks that are given to mostly small market teams because of, uh, revenue, uh, balancing out or whatnot. And those picks can be traded, but this is a very valuable pick because it comes just after the end of the first round. And, you know, as we all know, first rounders, you know, can be really up, you know, star level players at some point. However, tons of them do flame out. And I just don't know how much the Brewers value this pick, because if you just remember just a few short years ago, the Brewers had a first round competitive pick, uh, competitive a balance pick, and they traded away for Alex Claudio. So, you see how much they they value it. With that being said, I think it's a it's a valuable pick. But yeah, but oh, go ahead, Vince. It, well, I was just gonna say. I mean, Craig, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, one of the things that I have been looking at last night was saying that the Brewers would have gotten a qualifying offer pick roughly in the same ballpark uh, of, of of selections if Burns would have indeed left us as a free agent if we had provided him with a a qualifying offer. Am I correct on that? Yeah, exactly. No, you're you're right. So, so basically, that's a wash because um, yeah, as long as because if we would have kept, yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. And and the other thing that's changed in the rules, if we were to trade him to the Orioles or another organization at the deadline, they would not they would not be able to offer him the qualifying offer. So they would not be able to recompensate that pick. Now the Orioles who I think are, you know, 50-50 are probably more unlikely than 50-50 to not be able to sign him to long-term deal before he hits free agency. So really, it's a one-year rental for them too. But they do have the ability to basically get that pick back because they're going to offer him a qualifying offer. And him and his agent, Boris, are not going to accept that. They're obviously, outside of being hurt or something, they're going to, uh, which then they wouldn't even offer to him. But um, they're, they're going to decline that. And then the Orioles will get that kind of pick back. So that is a wash. They easily threw that in. And not only that, but next year's draft class is deeper and stronger than this year's. So in, in my opinion, yeah. it's actually a worse deal for the Brewers to take this one rather than just the pick. So what we're, what this deal was done for. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. And on the Orioles, too, they do have a new ownership group that should likely be approved by Major League Baseball. So it not that this show is Orioles-focused, but I am kind of interested to see if the the new ownership group uh i'm assuming that they're going to get approved soon but led by david rubenstein and including guys like cal ripkin and grant hill um i i'm kind of interested to see which direction they go if they're willing to spend a little bit more money i, I have a feeling that they will but uh anyway sorry Craig, go ahead before i dive into the two players at, uh, that the brewers actually got i will say that for everyone throughout baseball uh oriole fans and anyone who's a baseball fan 
knows that this was a slam dunk A plus deal for the Baltimore Orioles. There's no other way you can slice it. They just were a surprise contending team a little bit ahead of the rebuild last year. Won 101 games and, and made the playoffs. Uh, had some home games in the playoffs for the first time in a long time. Um, they're, they have a ripe young offense, probably the best young offense in all of baseball with a number one prospect in all of baseball, Jackson Holiday, uh, coming up this year to help out as well. Um, they're so stacked in the middle infield that they had no room even to use Joey Ortiz as a middle, as a utility infielder on the major league roster. They're that stacked. So, uh, these players that they gave away were just no brainers that, I mean, they, it's not like we got their top prospect or even one of their top three prospects in this deal at all. They, they are doing backflips. If you're an Oriole fan, everyone loves this deal. They're, you've got Corbin Burns for one year on an already like a championship caliber possible roster. And this was the missing piece that you're missing. Uh, to the Orioles pitching staff credit last year, they were kind of cobbled together uh, by a bunch of like middle middle rotation starters. And they did a fairly good job and got that team to the playoffs, but it was mostly due to their offense. They were just missing this legitimate ace. And this is a slam dunk deal. And if you're a, a Baltimore Oriole fan, you are absolutely jacked beyond belief for the 2024 season. Now, opposite of that, we get to you, Brewers fans, our listeners. Okay, so what did we get in return? We got two players. Uh, we've got Dayton Lane Hall, also goes by DL Hall. Um, I'm assuming he changed, he goes by that because Dayton Hall sounds like a college dormitory, maybe. I don't know. Um, but anyway, he's a left-handed pitcher. He's 25 years old. He was a former number one pick, 21st overall, I believe, in the 2017 draft. That's the draft where the Brewers uh, picked higher up and picked Kesson here in that draft. We know how that worked out. Um, so D.L. Hall was was drafted out of high school in Valdosta, Georgia uh, at that, that year. So we'll get more into him. Um, the other player coming back is shortstop Joy Ortiz, uh, right-handed batter. He's also a 25-year-old. He was a former fourth-round pick, I think, in 2018. Um, he's also made his way through the through the system um, and has really had some nice years the last couple of years in the Meyer leagues. Um, so uh, let's start. My favorite of the two prospects is easily the pitcher, Hall. I'll get into that in a second. I'll start, though, with Joy Ortiz. Uh, let's see. So this is a guy who's got a great hit tool. He's definitely known for awesome defensively. So he's, he's like a for sure major league caliber defensive shortstop. And so I think you could also argue Bryce Trang is as well. So between the two of these guys, I think that uh, they'll be solidifying our middle infield from year for years to come. Who's going to be at what position? I don't know. But if I had to guess, Ortiz would probably be our shortstop with Trang staying at second. But, you know, that's interchangeable. I think Trang is just as good defensively. Now, there's a lot of comparisons between these two players. Trang hits left-handed. Ortiz is a right-handed hitter. But they have a similar skill set in the fact they have a well, I will say Ortiz has a better hit tool than Trang. Uh, Trang has a little bit more speed, but both of them have, I guess, less than average power. In my opinion, if you're building a major league baseball team, you need to have guys that at almost every position to hit 20, 25 homers plus a year, at least have that ability. The Brewers front office, you know, Arnold and Stearns did not have that philosophy. I mean, they, they value defense and speed a lot more than power. I do not agree with that philosophy i mean that's fine it's worked out for the brewers it's worked out for the rays in my opinion uh joy Ortiz is in some ways very similar to uh luis uh rias in the fact that he can play third uh short second 
all pretty well. He's got a lot of versatility, but he's a right-handed batter with a nice hit tool. But in reality, he's lacking power. Like to me, regular starting power uh, in my opinion. Yeah, to be to be fair, Craig, he did have a season. I think his, I'm just looking over his stats here. In terms, just gave it to me. He's high in home runs for a, a year in the minor leagues with 19 home runs, which was 2022 when he was. Uh, he split the year there between Double A AA and Triple A at that point. So yeah, he has not ever eclipsed. 20 home run total, 19 was his, was his tops. Yeah. And uh, Louis Urias also showed some power in the Meyer leagues as well. And they, I think people thought uh, he could be a 20-plus home run hitter regularly. Um, and that really never came to fruition. And now he's pretty much buried as a utility infielder in the major leagues from this day forward, most likely. Uh, and who knows how long he'll hang on doing that. Um, Louis, yeah. So, I mean, Louis Urias also had 19 home runs one year in 2019 in the Meyer leagues as well. Uh, and he actually had a better batting eye than Ortiz does. So, again, I'm not going to throw up too many comps. Since we have Brewer listeners, uh, Brewer fans as listeners, I try to use Brewer comps as best as I can, I guess. But, again, all these guys are their own individual player. I think the ceiling for Joey Ortiz is someone like J.J. Hardy, who did win multiple gold gloves, who did have 25-ish home run power. I think Joey Ortiz could get there. But he also has the same floor, in my opinion, of a Luis Urias, where he really could just like flame out as a utility um, and yeah. for a couple of years. So there's danger. Yeah, in and that. we also do have a great utility player in Andrew Monasterio, too. We should point that out. I, I, my hope is that this does not kind of block Tyler Black's path uh, to the majors um, or Taylor Black, sorry, for for a variety of reasons. And number one, I just like the the way that he's developed in our own system and. Number two, I, I just want to lock down that position. I really don't want it to be another utility guy, platoon guy. Like I'm, I'm kind of, I love versatility, but you can't have every guy in your roster be, being known for their versatility. Like at some point you got to have nine starting players or eight starting players at eight different positions. And then, you know, you go from there with late inning substitutions, guys off the bench, that sort of thing. But you can't, you can't have a, a team of guys of, just versatile guys. You got to have guys who are stable, who have power, who can hit for average. Those are those are the types of guys that we should be targeting. And maybe Ortiz turns into that. I'd be ecstatic personally if he if he turned into a JJ Hardy and we had team control of him for six years. Like that that would be a, a just just a, a great return for me. I'm I'm a little bit more worried though that um, that's perhaps aiming a little high. But I could be wrong. I, I very much hope to be wrong on Joey Ortiz. Well, no, and and again, just throwing out Brewer comps. He's some kind of he'll be somewhat in between. <laughs> any of these variations of players and that's what his outcome could be. I think Jerry, uh, JJ Hardy is the, uh, the high end. Uh, I think Bill Byers might be even a decent comp, you know, from the right hitting from the right side where he's re- good defensively, but really he's not going to hit that much power. Good average though. Heck of a football coach though. Heck of a football coach. Nice. Yeah. Um, and I think the yeah. floor is Louis Arias, uh, but it's very similar to current Brewer Bryce Frang in a lot of ways who I also feel is a great utility player, but not necessarily a great regular any one position, but he is great defensively. So I think that that earns himself the right to be a regular in a major league lineup, in my opinion. So, yeah, it just goes I'm, back I'm to fine the with Rang as a starter. I just, Sorry, yeah, I, I'm fine with Bryce Trang as a starter, Craig. I, my problem is that you can't have, you can't have eight Bryce Trangs in your lineup. You know, Bryce Trang is, a glove first uh, middle infielder, a guy who um, makes great defensive plays, routine, look routine, and uh, love, love, love watching Bryce Trang play. That being said, 
I love watching Bryce Strang play well behind a pitcher, not while facing one. And we know what we're going to get with him with the bat. Um, and hopefully he improves at some point, but I, I'm not banking on that. I don't look at Bryce Strang for his bat skills. I, I look at him as a defensive guy, but we can't have two of those guys up the middle. I mean, we just can't. Oh, I know. It's funny that you mentioned it. You basically stole my thunder there because I was going to say this is like the, the Rays philosophy when when they went to the World Series uh, back, you know, when these guys were part of their front office. Uh, one of their best players was Ben Zopris. Sam Brofus, Ben Zopris was an awesome uh, hitter, great strike zones judgment, had limited power, had great versatility, which, again, is also very valuable for an organization and a team. However, you cannot build a championship team with nine Ben Zobris. You have to have variety. You have to have power. The, the, this team is not doing yeah. that. If you look at all the guys, the way they're building this team, I mean, Sal Freelich um, has limited power, in my opinion. Hopefully he can – same thing. Um, when we drafted, like, Trent Grisham, he had limited power. Um, same profile for Garrett Mitchell. He's got a little more power, I think. But, but, but again, it's yeah, all I these think Mitchell, I think Mitchell is – they're going to bank on Mitchell, I think, to provide a lot of that power, which will be interesting to see if he can kind of make that step up. I think that the the line on Mitchell was when we drafted him in 2020 is that he led uh, that conference. He played for what USC, UCLA, UCLA. He he led that conference in doubles that year, and the thought was is that with beefing up a little bit, that that strength could translate into major league power um, playing in a different stadium uh, than I think the one that he played at in college was had some of the deeper fences in, in college baseball. So I, I, I think Mitchell could be an interesting case. You know, he's obviously been injured a lot, but to your point, I, I totally agree overall. I just wanted to interject that quick about Mitchell. It'll be interesting to see what he does this year. Yeah, it will be interesting. I hope I'm wrong on him, but he seems like more of a doubles and triples guy with his speed. Again, they're valuing versatility, defense, uh, and it seems like they just are getting all these leadoff type hitter types and, and, and they're, they're not prioritizing middle order hitters, but they did just sign Reese Hoskins and they did just draft Brock Wilkin in the first round. Who's a, who was basically the best power hitter in uh, college baseball last year. And so that was a pleasant surprise. Um, I do think that uh, this was a move more for next year than, or possibly this year, but I think it was, he's basically, like I said, this was replacing Willie Damas. 2024 or 2025 and beyond, whichever, whenever that point happens. Um, yeah, which could happen is, in the next couple of days here, Craig, too. I mean, you never know. Willie Adams might be on the block. I, I, If we're going to go full cost savings mode, then Willie's gone, I guess, depending on the return. But there's been a lot of talk today that the Brewers are interested in both unloading Willie Adams and one writer is reporting uh, one of our colleagues um, with uh, who wrote it, uh, S. B sports, I believe, wrote that the Brewers are very much looking at trading Devin Williams right now, too. Wow. Okay. Well, here we go. I guess it's almost full rebuild time. But no, I'm totally for trading William Donis as soon as possible. And I think if that happens uh, before or during the season, that uh, Ortiz and Terang, the combination of them will handle up the middle. Tyler Black and Monasterio would probably platoon at, at, at third until, um, until Brock Wilkin is ready or whatever. Uh, and then at that point, I've, I've actually read that Tyler Black's defense is pretty bad at, at, at second and third, that he possibly will be a future first base slash DH profile, and that's fine, but um, as long as he can hit. So, um, all right, well, getting back to Joey Ortiz, like I said, he's like one of those underrated guys. Like He, he was completely blocked in the Orioles system. He needed a way out. This was a way out. Losing him is like nothing to the to the Orioles and getting him for the Brewers if they if he does become a starting shortstop it's definitely something and it's of value you know getting a starting shortstop that you control for five or six years 
that's a major league regular is definitely valuable. So I'll give the Brewers that, that he's got the potential, but there's some downside and some warts on him, so to speak. Um, all right, now let's go over to my favorite of the two players that we acquired, and that's, of course, D.L. Hall. This is a guy that was ranked as probably like the third best uh, starting high school starting pitcher coming out of his draft class back in 2017. From the left-hand side, he's just a great competitor. He's um, He does have an unbelievable fastball. That's his plus-plus pitch. He also has like a plus changeup, um, and because his changeup is so good, it makes his fastball that tops out like at 96 or so seem like it's even faster, and it has a rising action to it. Um, so, however, his thing, again, is with command. He's had command issues throughout the minor leagues, um, and, uh, you know, that's why the Orioles actually used him in a bullpen last year, and they were someone that I was still in need of developing starting pitching. However, he he entered the year last year spring training thinking that uh, they were going to give him an opportunity to start right out of the gate, but he hurt his back in spring training and therefore was not able to build up enough innings to start the year as a starter at the big league level. They sent him down to AAA Norfolk and uh, they built him up. But at that point, though, the Orioles were surprise contenders and they realized they really couldn't afford to have him have growing pains at the, ma at the major league level. So what they did is they deloaded him is the term they use. And they basically ramped him down to have him come help out the major league bullpen, which he did do for a short time in the later in the year. And even in the playoffs in a series against the Rangers, he came in and looked lights out. So people after that speculate, Oh, wow, well, this guy's going to be an awesome future reliever, especially from the left-hand side. That's super valuable. It's awesome. And that's how the Orioles will probably use him going forward. However, most people are saying if, if, if this is a very similar case to back when uh, Josh Hader was being developed as a prospect. And uh, just so happens, he was also drafted by the Baltimore Orioles originally and went through their system. Um, there was questions about him. You know, they said he could be a lights out reliever or he could be a Chris sale, like starter, like, which do you want? And after he got traded to the Brewers, they decided to go with the reliever. And I, as you can see, that worked out very well, not only for Josh Hader, but for the Brewers for yeah. a number of years. So is yeah. that the correct route for DL Hall? No one really knows. But what I will say is that I, I've read that DL Hall wants to start. And I think that he should be given every opportunity to do so because I think that's a great yeah. need for the Milwaukee Brewers. And, and so Matt Arnold actually came out and said in the press conference last night after the trade, that is the Brewers' intention to allow him to start. Uh, and I assume he'd get a handful of starts, if not a, a many starts this year in the Milwaukee Brewers rotation. So that is exciting. I do think this yeah. guy's got a, a ceiling of a number two starter, but he also has a very, very low floor. So that's a little scary. Yeah, it was interesting. And Craig, I do appreciate you going to that press conference last night um, with Matt Arnold. I know that um, it was kind of a surprise and came up suddenly with the trade, but um, I did hear that comment from him um, with your report here. I I think it was interesting. They said they haven't actually talked to him yet um, and had that conversation, which is kind of interesting, but apparently that is a conversation that's going to be had, you know, in the coming days uh, before the team reports to spring training. And, and certainly I think he's going to get a look uh, as a starter. I think he's going to get stretched out. I, I remember um, on this show, we had that same debate uh, about Josh Hader back in 2017, 2018, whenever uh, that decision was kind of being made about Josh. I think we had Corey Knable as our closer at the time, and there were some questions, and then and then Jeremy Jeffers after that. Um, and so there were some questions about whether or not Josh Hader would really be uh, needed at that uh, in that position uh, out of the bullpen and how he might be more valuable as a starter. So it's, it's kind of funny. It's sort of deja vu all over again, uh, so to speak, on, on – some of our conversations uh, now 
and, and what his future role might be with the Brewers. So it'll be kind of interesting to see what happens with Devin Williams. Devin's a free agent after next season. Um, so we've got, you know, some decisions to make uh, with him. We've also got other hard throwers in the bullpen right now with Evner Uribe. So maybe, maybe uh, you know, uh, uh, adding another power arm to the bullpen might be exactly what we need. Um, but it'll be real interesting to see how the Brewers handle D.L. Hall and, and his six years of team control. Yeah, absolutely. And now the difference until we until we trade him well in first place, uh, you know, at the deadline, <laughs> and in six years or five years. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Um, but I like again from my understanding of it, and again, I don't have a source on this besides TC Tom Carter, um, our anonymous source. Yeah. Oh, but, Tom's our yeah, our anonymous source, Tom Carter. Yeah. Yeah, he says that. Uh, when the, these trade negotiations started between Arnold and the uh, Orioles, the Orioles said that one of the reasons they're willing to move that him is because he has stated to their organization that he would prefer to be remain a starter and that they didn't want to insert him into a playoff team's number five starter spot going forward uh, because of you know, the growing, you know, whatever. And so that, 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 that made them more willing to deal him because they very vet, did value his arm and thought he'd be awesome weapon for them out of the bullpen. But because that was a wish of his, that they, that they were more willing to part with him in a trade, especially with bringing someone back like Corbin Burns. So the fact that the Brewers, uh, they felt the Brewers uh, also still viewed him as a starter. And that's the reason that they were able to give up Corbin Burns with him as a headliner, because if you really think about it, it doesn't make no sense that Brewers would want to get rid of Corbin Burns, even one year of Corbin Burns for a bullpen lefty and a utility infield slash shortstop. I mean, that's just not enough of a return. Yeah, unless, unless that lefty out of the bullpen was on the level of Josh Hader. I mean, that is, that is the comp that, you know, yeah. you could throw out there there, then that might be worth it because um, I would certainly take six years of Josh Hader as the closer coming out of the bullpen, then one year of Corbin Burns as a starter. That I, I personally would But I mean that. that's like the gold standard. I mean every lefty that's yeah no I know I, no, I know yeah. I'm not I'm not trying to imply that we're getting Josh Hader 2.0 necessarily. What I am saying is that there are examples that you could make of guys that a left hand reliever could be as valuable as a starter like Corbin Burns. I'm not saying that that's the case. Absolutely. I, I think all Brewer fans would agree that the Brewers did make the right decision on Josh Hader and that most Likely, if he was a starter, he probably would only go five plus five or six innings at a time, which I think that the Brewers still would uh, value because of their deepness of their bullpen. And that if they can get, you know, five or six lights yeah. out hitting from a starter like a Chris Sale, that they would definitely have left him in that role. But they, I think they made the right decision. And Brewer fans obviously wouldn't argue that. And I think, but with Art. this being said, I really think that it's, uh, I, I behoove the Brewers to leave D.L. Hall as a starter as long as possible until he shows them that he can't do it and then uh, make him a bullpen weapon. So, Well, part of the issue right now, Craig, is we may not have as much of a choice as you might think. I mean, this rotation is is pretty thin, and I don't know if we're going to have time to get to it on this episode, but we will still do another um, season preview episode for sure and probably another spring training preview episode, actually, before uh, camps open up. But you know, the, the Brewers starting pitching depth as it stands is not good. I mean, we have now, uh, we obviously lost Brandon Woodruff. Uh, he's a free agent still, so there's a chance he could come back, but he's injured until August, best case scenario. Uh, we've lost Corbin Burns now with this trade. We've lost Adrian Hauser. So the Brewers rotation has taken some major, major hits uh, since the uh, end of the 2023 season. So we, re- we may very much need D.L. Hall in the starting rotation uh, as probably our third or fourth starter actually at this point um i think obviously unless there's some drastic changes again in the next 
you know, 10 or so days before camp opens up, I think that Freddie Peralta goes into the year uh, as your ace, your, your opening day starter. Uh, Wade Miley's probably your number two. And then you could make an argument for D.L. Hall. Um, you could make an argument for Robert Gasser. You could make an argument for, uh, I guess, a number of guys that we could, Joe Ross maybe to be in the rotation. I, I'm not sure. There's some other younger arms that we could look at. But, um, you know, these are conversations that the Brewers, uh, it, it's kind of a luxury to have. I think that we may need to throw D.L. Hall into the starting rotation. Well, no, I, I think that's the plan. Uh, but um, I think you'd have to win a spot in spring training, but I don't think his competition is very stellar. Uh, no no offense to Joe Ross or Colin Ray, but I think he's definitely going to get innings this year as a starter at the major league level. And like I said, he's already 25. He's ready. It's been seven years since they drafted him out of high school. He's more than ready now. Uh, how, with that being said, because of his injury last year and his bullpen usage, he cannot throw 150 innings this year by any means. And that's one thing that we're really losing out in the value of losing Burns. And when you have a starter throw upwards of 180 to 200 innings, that's so valuable to a overall rotation because it just takes off pressure of everyone else in the rotation and especially your bullpen uh, on the days that, you know, your, your horse goes, so to speak. And when you lose that horse, it is a ripple effect throughout the rest of the rotation where other guys have to pick up slack and it really taxes your bullpen over the, over the course of the long season. And so the Brewers are going to feel the repercussions of not having Corbin Burns in that rotation or, and not having Brandon Woodruff for that matter. The two of those horses being gone, this is going to be, it's going to be a challenging year. And I think the disappointing thing is there's just no way the Brewers are favorites to win the NL Central anymore. And I felt that we still were last week. And as a Brewer fan, this just breaks my heart that, yeah. that this is where we're at. So, but it should still be an exciting season. We have a young core of great hitters. Um, I I don't dislike the two players we have coming back. I especially like yeah. I said, like Hall quite a bit. But again, it's one of those things where I felt like we should have got more. Um, yeah, the caliber player that we gave away, um, franchise type player. But it is what it is. So we'll move forward from here. And again, that's that's how I wanted to end the podcast. Like, where do the Brewers go from here? And again, spring training is coming up very, very shortly here, which is exciting. However, uh, I really feel that they should move Willie Domins as soon as possible. I think that they should wait on Devin Williams unless they get blown away. You know, there's no yeah. rush in trading him, um, especially if they want to succeed in 2024 in any fashion whatsoever. Because I feel still feel, even though they're not favorites to win the division, that they if they can trade Adamus and maybe sign a guy or two that we could definitely still contend for a wild card spot this year and without, without question. Uh, and we should do that. Yeah. But um, really, I think yeah. it's time, it's time to get something for Willie Adamus. And I'm sure that there's some suitors, you know, either the Dodgers, the angels or the Marlins all are in need of a starting the giants. and the, the giants, giants as, well. as well. Yeah. So yeah I, least... And I, I just, I just want to jump in here really quick, Craig, and say, um, first, I don't, I, I'm not going to give up on winning the division. I think this is still a very solid team. Um, I think there's just a lot more wild cards today than there were yesterday. I agree with you. I don't dislike the guys that we got back. Um, there's more wild cards because you've lost your ace, but you've also gained some talent back. And there's a lot of young guys on this team, and uh, we don't know how Jackson Churio is going to do, for instance. There's just more wild cards than there were when you've got a you know one, two, three punch at the top of your rotation with Peralta Burns uh, and Woodruff. So, uh, you know, I don't think that we're necessarily – less talented this year i think that we're we just have less or, or bets if that makes sense um so that that i guess is my final kind of wrap-up comment on on everything going into the spring training mode here yeah 
Yeah, no, I mean, that, that's exactly... And, and this division is pretty weak. You know, that the division is pretty weak, too. I mean, I still don't think that the Cubs have gotten better. It'll be interesting to see if they are able to resign uh, Bellinger or not. But, you know, as of right now, I think they've gotten significantly worse, to be honest, with losing Bellinger and, and Marcus Stroman. Um, I, I don't think that they... I don't think the Cardinals have gotten a ton better. I think they've gotten a little bit better with Sonny Gray and patching up some other holes in the rotation. But um, I don't think that they're untouchable by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, the Reds well, if, I, if I were team. a betting man, if I were a betting man, which I'm not, I would probably put my money on the Cincinnati Reds to, win, to be the favorites win of his right now. But I think the Brewers are right there with the Cubs, Cardinals, and us uh, ahead of the Pirates still and in that pack. And so, like, yeah. I do agree with you that the Cardinals and Cubs have not really vastly improved themselves this offseason. So um, the Brewers can still survive this, but they're going to they're gonna need some innings from some quality pitchers. And maybe they still just need to sign someone, if not one or two veteran starters, to, yeah. uh, to fill some of those innings. Or, um, yeah. Know, either. And the Reds haven't proven themselves either yet, by the way. I mean, they weren't able to lock down much of anything. They've got a – a lot of talent, but it's a young team. It's, it's sort of like Milwaukee in many ways. I think that um, Ellie De La Cruz is, you know, an interesting talent. I think Jackson Trejo is just as interesting. So I'm, I'm excited to see those two teams kind of match up here for the next five, six, seven years um, with some of those talented younger players going head to head multiple times per year uh, as a, as a division rival. So it's, it's pretty exciting actually. Um, yeah, it is. So yeah, I think it's going to be a very interesting division for a long time. And even, I know I keep putting the Pirates in the basement, but they're actually can be a surprise team in the next couple of years as well. So it'll be an interesting yeah. dogfight in NL Central for at least the next five plus years, without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. So no, uh, good good show here today, Craig. I uh, just wanted to thank our listeners and uh, everybody who's uh, supported our show and kind of opined on some of our social media stuff. Just as a reminder, uh, give us a follow, uh, Brewker Review One on Twitter. You can send all your questions. Uh, to Scott at uh, Brew Review Podcasts with an S at gmail.com. I'm sure we'll get to them on one of our future episodes. And uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, <laughs> just when you think that the off season is kind of winding down and nothing exciting is happening, all of a sudden we go ahead and trade our eighth pitcher, you know, for a couple of prospects. Yeah, and maybe there's more trades in store. Well, we never know at this point. So, um, but there's <laughs> a lot never, of excitement yeah. still. As a Milwaukee Bird fan, there's a lot of young guys to root for. And uh, uh, like I said, the, I think the Brewers are ever kind of retooled. This is not a rebuild by any means, but it's a retooling and they're leaning toward the youth and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I think it all in the long run pay dividends. And like I said, um, hopefully in the long run, this uh, Corbin Burns trade looks uh, better than it does today because it, it, it definitely stings. So um, we'll, we'll get this, through this together. Brewer fans, we always have, and that includes you, Scott Bartell. So um, just hang in there, buddy. Um, <laughs> and all us for all right, Brewer fans, we'll we'll get through this. Uh, and the Brewers will will one day see the promised land, so to speak. But all right, uh, um, well, thanks again, uh, Vince, for joining us. And uh, remember to stay classy, Wisconsin, and go Brewers. Stay classy, Craig. Stay classy, Scotty and Chad and Vikram. Go Brewers. Do, 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 do.